Hello everybody and welcome to This Game Where with me, Ashley. And me, Chris. Bonjour everyone. Bonjour. Bonjour to le monde. Ça to va? le monde? Listen to you. Yep. I've got nothing to add. <laughs> uh, écoutez. Let's listen. That's GCSE French. Yeah, I don't remember very much my GCSE French. I remember in my oral exam saying mon dieu to kind of try and get a laugh out of the person testing me and she looked No horrif- laugh whatsoever. She looked absolutely horrified. That's probably because it's uh, cod. Well, it's not cod French, is it? But it's the sort of thing that you don't want them to say in there. Well, I knew I was going to say it. Jesus, and So I really lent into it and really anglicised it and went, mon dieu. Uh, so probably oh, no. <laughs> butchered the, the phrasing of it as well. I really, en- oh, this is not, I don't know if this is a good podcast, but um, I really enjoyed my GCSE French and the I, I tried to learn a load of different things that they hadn't taught us for my speaking. And one of them that I always, always remember is a propos de guerre which means things concerning war. <laughs> well, I was trying to explain Topical. that I enjoy history. Well, right. yeah, exactly. I, I, I was saying I enjoy history because, parce que, j'aime... A, uh, de guerre. J'aime, yeah, things à propos de guerre. I can't remember things. It's, it's troubling. That, that was the thing that you decided to commit to tape during GCC French, was that you, you like history because of war. Yeah, well, I couldn't think of another thing to say about history. Why I like, I didn't, I did like history, but I don't really know why. Mummies. I, like, I, got, I could. Everyone likes mummies. We never did anything about mummies. We did, we did uh, Vietnam, Jesus, and the Second World War. The Vietnam stuff was really interesting. Uh, oh, and we also did uh, the Israel Palestine, the build up to all of that. So s- serious stuff compared to me wrapping up a teddy bear in toilet paper and saying it was a mummy. Is that what you did? Yep. Yeah, ours was our religious education. That was uh, where everything went went a little bit awry. I remember very vividly talking to our teacher, whole class conversation about the Sermon on the Mount being a circle jerk of Jesus and his disciples. Is that the phrase you used? So I did a, I did an action. Oh, I did a motion no. oh, and everything. No. Our RE teacher was in stitches. She loved it. That's sacrilegious, surely. It's massively sacrilegious, but I don't think we were a particularly religious bunch. Right. Sounds uncouth. I, certainly at that age, certainly in the mindset that I was in then, there are definitely worse conversations that I could have had about religion in general. And True. the thoughts that I had on it. So the fact that we had a bit of fun with it, uh, you know, not Sorry. the worst thing in the world, is it? Bit of fun. Bit of fun. Right, what are we going to do today, Ashley? Now we're warmed right. up. Well, it's an interesting one because I didn't know that we were doing this until this morning. I had a different <laughs> plan and then I... Uh, I've I've gone off piste. Right. I've also written two pages of notes, and I have no idea how I'm going to deliver them. How have you sweet that in since this morning? That's impressive. Mm. Well, I've written two pages of notes. I've no idea how I'm going to deliver it all to you uh, or to people's ears. And there's more that I could say. So it's probably going to be one of those where I get I I trip up over myself quite a lot. It's just going to be like a, so a jazz episode where it's a bit, it's a bit freeform gotta go with the flow it might be a bit free from but i've what i've got is very there's quite long pa- there's a whole paragraph at least like a, an actual full-on 350 words of explanation in one of my points that i've written full full you know i haven't not notes it's full prose it's not even notes it's just yeah but it's just, i've just prosed prosed it all out so prosed up mm. prose before so I this was. week no i don't think that. you'll get it either no <laughs> 
No, you shouldn't. Uh, pre- pros before bros, I think. But yeah, different different conversation altogether. Um, this week, it is this game where you are the lowest of the low, vying for dominion over the whole world through the acquisition of the one ring to rule them all, at least oh. in a manner of speaking. Is it since with Lord of the Rings? No. Oh, thank God for that. I was going to check out. Well, well that's right. your problem. No, 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 no. Go, Lord, go for it again. Lord of the Rings. No, it's, I mean, that, that's a whole other conversation that we genuinely... I've got two pages of notes. We don't have time to talk about your nonsense with lord of the rings all right so it's this game where you are the lowest of the low vying for dominion over the whole world through the acquisition of the one ring to rule them all at least in a manner of speaking there's one word there that you should be focusing on really speaking ring no (laughs) ring yeah i don't know no no sure you're banging out nice and early yeah can't bothered can't bother this malarkey on friday one of the biggest releases of the year so far, and probably of the year, happened. It is Elden Ring. Oh, okay. I, I, what, what's that? There you go. <laughs> okay. I did wonder if that would be the case. So, Elden Ring. Is this uh, my gen- first question. Is this generally one of the biggest releases of the year? And I, I have absolutely yeah. no knowledge whatsoever yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in you'll... that case, I blame the advertisers because I should know more about it. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably true. So my first question is, my first question in my in my series of to, uh, of notes is, what do you know about Elden Ring? That's what I've actually written to ask that question. I, I know what I've learned from you in the last two minutes, which is a, a one sentence. Elden Ring is developed by a company called From Software. Do you know From Software? You do, but you don't know that you do. I think. Go on, hit me. Demon Souls. Oh, okay. Well, that's uh, again. I've not played those games, so I'm just going on like that was the. Mm, I don't know. Maybe they're good. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. Elden Ring is developed by From Software, team best known for birthing the Souls-like genre. They made a whole genre uh, with Demon Souls twelve years ago. Twelve years ago that the first one came out. Yeah, because we were working together at the time. Crikey. I know. Uh, to be honest, the number that have come out since uh, by From Software and other companies makes me feel like it must have been a lot longer than 12 years ago, but it wasn't. It was, I think it was 2010. I'll mention it here. Uh, that was on my radar primarily. Well, it was on my radar for two reasons. It was big at E3 when they announced it, but then we had a colleague who was very, very into Demon Souls. He was excited about it coming out, and then he was excited about playing it, um, and he talked about it a lot. And I'd never really, there are reasons why, but I never really gelled with the, even the concept such the, to the point where I didn't actually even play it ever. And when he was talking about it, the things that come up about Souls-like games are the difficulty and the repetition, having to batter your forehead against a brick wall in terms of like this boss or this boss over and over again to learn how to beat them. It just didn't appeal to me at all. Yeah, yeah, completely the same with me. I'm the same as you. I know them by reputation, and that reputation makes me not want to touch them with a barge pole. Yeah. So why the heck are we playing Elden Ring, you might be asking yourself. But we're going to park that question, because that I'm going to answer later, okay? Some more about it. The story was overseen by a man called George R.R. R. Martin. Oh, okay, I know him. Who is he? He wrote Game of Thrones. Yeah, he is that guy. Which again, and uh, he full, full disclaimer, not really interested I've, in you. Well, I've never watched Game of Thrones. It's I, I have this thing 
that this is you know this is on me this you're a is bit my... snooty and you don't like things that are popular yeah and that's mm. that's a silly thing it's a character trait that i vaguely hate because you know if things are liked by a lot of people then that probably means they're good but i have this innate snobbishness about that which i as i said i don't like about myself because of that i've never watched game of thrones it was while i was very late to the party with breaking bad yeah i was really mm. resistant to breaking bad oh and then I actually watched it and oh yeah now i get why those people like it and i suspect the same thing will probably happen with game of thrones but um i think i think too much water's passing the bridge now for me to really get in, into game of thrones there are lots of things that lots of people like that i don't personally enjoy and that's fine and you're allowed to not like things that lots and lots of people enjoy that's fine as well what I think is the problem and the thing that you should be questioning, like actively questioning, is being averse to things that are popular because they're popular. That's the yeah. thing that you should question and and actively fight against because not just because lots of people like it doesn't mean that it's good. However, it, it possibly it, it opens up a, a quite an obvious door that you might actually like it too if all those other people do. Yeah, completely. Uh, yeah, the po- points for... Point recording, a case example, is Wordle. Yeah. Are you uh, averse to that, are you? No, I just, I, I don't, I have no interest in it because, although I because know I should. interesting in it. I know I should because I, I love words, I love English language, I love playing about with it. But because mm. those people play it, I'm, I'm, I'm not interested. And as I said, I hate that about myself, but them's the breaks. Yeah, well, that's an interesting one for me because I was quite into it. I was enjoying it. And it was just before... It was like getting. I know. I know. It sounded like, oh yeah, I listened to the Beatles before everybody else, or whatever about Wordle of all things. But I, it I was saw genuinely, the Cabin Club. yeah, it was genuinely just before it started to really get big, um, and certainly before the acquisition happened. And, and I was playing it, and I was enjoying it. And I introduced it to Hannah, and I actually I, I said to her mum about it, and they started playing it, and and w- we three were playing it. And I remember distinctly explaining to. Hannah's mum, that I really like it because it's just one thing every day, just one thing that isn't uh, trying to ram adverts down my throat Mm. or trying to get me to buy something. It's just a nice little 10-minute puzzle. And I I do it once for 10 minutes every day, and that's it. It's just nice. It's it's nice to have something so low pressure and fun and engaging. And, And I was genuinely enjoying it. Then... The excitement, the hype started, and there there wasn't just Wordle. There was Quirdle, which is where you do four at once. There was yeah, I've seen Nerdle, that. Nerdle, where you do maths, a version of it. There was uh, Worldle, which is actually the one that I have continued to uh, sort of dabble in every once in a while, where it gives you a, an image of a, a country, and you have to guess where it, uh, which country it is. Oh, nice. And if he, yeah, that's genuinely, that is a good one. I'm probably learning more geography uh, from them, that than I have for a long, long time. So that rounds on um, Bridget Osmond's House of Games where they do that. So they show you a map of the world and say which country is, where, where is this country? Uh, that's really mm. quite difficult. Yeah, well, this is quite difficult. And I've only got it right once, I think. But I'm always, I, I tend to get in the right area and be like a few hundred kilometers away from, <laughs> from it before the end. That's not far in the grand scheme of things, is it? It's not terrible, I don't think, but there we go. Uh, yeah, so there was this proliferation of all ridiculous other versions, um, and I just felt like the world lost the lost the point of it. It was just this nice thing that a man had made for his wife that mm. he decided to share with everybody else, and it was that that put me off. It was the 
it was the fact that nobody can just have one nice thing. They have to really so they have to rinse the the whole premise until it's dead. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. So yeah, I I understand I understand that asp- I understand that yeah. particular one, but I think by and large, popular thing bad is a is not a good it's not hmm. a good instinct to have. Elden Ring has been in development for a goodly long while. And the last couple of years, people have been saying, where are the bloody hell's Elden Ring? You know how they do. Um, last year, I think it was at E3, and people were quite excited because they actually said that it's coming soon, and now it's out. So people are people have been. Well, people were excited up until Thursday. Then all of the good reviews started coming in, and people suddenly become bitter and angry that it's, it's a good game, it seems. Um, Sounds there like are, me. Yeah, it does. Uh, there are legitimate issues, particularly with the PC version, technical issues that um, I understand should have been sorted out by From Software before they released it, and should have uh, should be sorted out now, but haven't been. There's a bit of bitterness about that because they were also problems that were in the previous two From Software titles. I wouldn't know that though because I haven't played one since Bloodborne. But apparently these are problems that have existed in previous games and they haven't been sorted. They're they're engine level problems. And I have come across some. I have come across some of the problems. I think they're hard to avoid on the PC. Things like stuttering when you're moving from place to place. I've seen, I saw a Eurogamer write-up that was about why some of these things are happening. And one of them is that you're dropping frames every so often, quite, quite often because uh, the shader compiler is compiling on the fly and that is causing things to slow down while you're right. uh, while the compiler does its job bit technical but that's one of the reasons I'm getting that I'm getting other things as well however it doesn't stop me from enjoying the game can can we just sip simplify this a little bit obviously as I've said I have no idea what this game is I don't know what console I'm going to tell you I right, will tell you. you okay so there's there is some I'm pre- I'm doing preparatory work and then we're going to get into the nitty-gritty right, of what good, thank you. of what this game is okay so i i've note i noted that reviews have been overwhelmingly positive in a way that i that makes me automatically skeptical because i'm a bit of a cynic when it comes to that sort of thing but also grabs my attention well you mean that the, the practice of uh, games developers bunging some a fiver to the pockets of reviewers you mean that well yeah that is that's something that people speculate on and have always speculated on and when we were involved in the when you and I were testers, the head of the studio intimated to us both and everybody there that actually that, that practice did exist. So I don't know whether it happened here or not, but, you know, it, it might have. However, it doesn't stop it from uh, it doesn't stop it from grabbing my attention even now. Case in point, it's shot to the top of the Metacritic best games of all time, and it's shot to the top of the Open Critic best games of all time. It's sitting alongside. Wow. I think on Open Critic, it was number one for uh, the first couple of days, and then it's number two now. And then on Metacritic, it was in the top two or top three, and it's sort of settling in at, um, at somewhere in the top ten or around there. Okay, that's quite impressive. Yeah, so it's rubbing shoulders with the big the big guys. Um, some big re- some reviewers. Some reviewers are calling it from I'm software's so best work to date. You should be, which is actually saying something given what people have said about the previous games that from software have made. If this is the best that the best of the best, and they were very pleased with the previous games, you know that's that's saying something. As I said, 
I do feel skeptical when this happens. Like all this big fanfare happening makes me go, uh, no, uh, no, no. Um, and last time I think, this happened, I, actually, I think as well as someone myself, someone who sits kind of outside this kind of AAA game title thing, that you yeah. seem to have this this big Ferrari and big hoo ha about a game coming out, and then about two weeks later, falls it's off a cliff. Yeah, completely forgotten about entirely. Well, to give you a, an idea, because this is when you were probably more involved with, with Big Fair. The last time I remember it being like this. And I'm not saying that it was, it hasn't been like this since, but it feels very much like when GTA 4 came out. Right, okay. GTA 4 released to massive fanfare, massive hype. And that was so much that I actually, I, I was like, no, I'm not, I hadn't really, here, here's a confession. Um, I hadn't really enjoyed GTA games post GTA 2, like GTA 3, GTA Vice City and San Andreas. That I know that they're lots of people's favorites. But I hadn't really enjoyed them. I never, I just never really. I remember running around GTA San Andreas with the big pink dildo, and that was as deep as my engagement <laughs> with the game got. Genuinely, good, t- good um, times. So I'd, yeah, I'd, um, I'd resolved that I wasn't going to be interested in GTA Four, so I might as well not follow the the stuff, and that the hype wasn't going to get me. And then the reviews started rolling in, and it was all like nine and a half to ten out of ten and people were saying how the story's amazing and the game's been overhauled and goodness me it's the best thing since sliced bread or sliced computer games or something and i then got on the bus into sheffield city center uh, and bought myself a copy the the day it came out because i hooked by the hype i got got i definitely got got and i regretted it i genuinely regretted it because again gta 4 just went over my head I just never, never gelled with it whatsoever. GTA 5, very much enjoyed that, but GTA 4 and previous, never really got it. So the question is, given that that's the last time it happened, that that's the last time I got got, and I regretted it, do I regret it now, a few days after Elden Ring came out? Yeah, so I haven't said this yet, uh, so I should probably tell you. Um, it's been in development for a while. Well, that's what I said, wasn't I? Wasn't it? Um, and I forgot to say that... Are you leaving us teasing with that question, have you been enjoying it? That's going to be the rhetorical question hanging over this next section, is yeah, it? Yeah, well, okay. ish. Um, I, I'd actually... It's been in development for a long while. People have known about it for a long while. It came out It came out to massive fanfare in, uh, at E3 last year. And all of this, all of this hype, I had been massively immune to until Thursday. And Thursday, all the reviews started coming out, similar to GTA 4. All the reviews started coming out, and people were saying how amazing it was. And I saw a few very small tidbits of uh, of video and gameplay. And I thought, oh, and they were also saying, a lot of people were saying, uh, a lot of reviewers were saying, this is um, like a a much easier game for non-from-software fans to get into. So I was starting to think, this might be... Oh, and they were ringing the Breath of the Wild bell as well. Uh, There's there a saying, lot going on, man. Yeah, uh, they were they were saying, "Oh, this is like Demon Souls and Breath of the Wild smashed together," and it's it's a bit good. And I I up until Thursday, up until Thursday, I'd hold, held strong. I wasn't even the slightest bit interested. And then they all started talking about it on Thursday in these in these terms, in such glowing terms. And I went, oh, "I'm gonna have to play that now, aren't I?" <laughs> And I pre I pre ordered it on Thursday. 
And it's the first game in a long, long time that I have bought at launch. Like, I, I can't remember the last game. that I, Oh, probably Breath of the Wild, actually. So that is my version of getting on the bus. I bought it on Thursday, ready to play on Friday. Do I regret it now, then? Three days later, few hours, several hours in? No. No, not, right. not even a little bit. I, I've not played a load of it. It's a big game. I've probably played about eight to ten hours. I didn't actually check. I should have done. I'm still in the game's version of the plateau, if that makes sense, like the introductory area. And I found so much to enjoy in it so far that I and and I'm pretty certain that I'm gonna I'm gonna be playing this to death. It, it's it's very good. I'm re- and that, and that is technical aspect, technical issues, technical problems that I have run into. That's including those. Like even taking those into account, it's a very it's very good. It's a very good game. So genre platform, talk to me. What is it? Right. So the question, so I, I've I've skipped ahead a little bit. The the next question is the one that you've asked. So what is it? I've actually written that down. I've preempted you. Okay. So briefly, I'll tell you about the story. The story involves a powerful ring, and it does sound like Lord of the Rings to some extent. Is it involves a powerful ring that was used to rule the world, which is called the Lands Between. That's the world that you're in. The ring is destroyed, and the fragments claimed or gifted. I don't know which one by a bunch of godlike entities, each of whom has claimed a shard of the ring. The player is an outcast who is called back to the world to claim the shards of the ring so as to become the Elden Lord, ruler of all, or something like that. Shards of the ring bit sounds like the plot of uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. I didn't really enjoy Raya and the Last Dragon, and I can't remember what the plot was. I'm sorry. There's the bits of the gem that they have to get together and a bits in the Ericle Fang and a bits in the Ericle Tail, etc., etc. Well, I feel like it's playing with enough fantasy elements, like ge- generic oh, yeah. tropes, that's, that's that a, actually it could be applied very... to various... Yeah. Yeah. I, and I'm aware of that. The, the story is very trope-heavy, very uh, generic, very high fantasy uh, sort of storytelling, but it's fine. It works very well in terms of, and I think there's also some other distinguishing things, which actually we probably won't end up talking about because there's just too much to talk about. But there are elements that distinguish it from other fantasy stories that I've experienced. Go on. I think if it's a, a fantasy thing, whether it's a novel or film game, then if it leans into those fantasy elements like dragons, wizards, etc., that's personally i think that's fine because that's what you expect yeah exactly it does it and uh, no one's i don't think anyone's um arguing differently it's a it's a high fantasy game and it does that with bells on gameplay loop that's what you were interested in so the game is indeed you know you, you've got the story there or canned version of it uh, the gameplay loop involves going out into the world killing a load of creatures big ones and small ones like genuinely very small squirrely things that jump around like kangaroos also these sheep right and this kind of put me in mind of malefas you know in um in his dark materials malefas the cows that run around on oh or, or, or wheel around the, on wheels made out on of the, the yeah the nut things yeah yeah so this the sheep in this when you run up to them they're, they're a sheep a type of sheep uh, when you run up to them they roll up into a ball and roll away Oh. Like Sonic style. Oh, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, so you can kill all those <laughs> and everything else. Um, and then there are there are actual enemies that you can kill, and they range from being soldiers to being some mighty, mighty beasts that are very large and forbidding. Um, and th- and you go out and you kill all of them. When you kill them, you get rewarded with runes. That's the game's currency, and you can spend those runes on lots of different things. But the primary things that you'll be spending on them, uh, spending them on, is leveling your character up, equipping them with weapons and armor. And strengthening the weapons that you already have, like smithing them or whatever. And that is something that is common to 
many, uh, if, if not all, Souls-like games, you will be given this currency and you will spend it to make your character fit and ready to take on the challenges ahead. And then you carry that on for the next bit and the next bit after yeah. that, etc. It's, yeah, it's they hit the whole fruit. The thing that distinguishes Souls-likes for most people is the difficulty. Like Everything's quite difficult, even the low-level enemies, although I'm finding the low-level enemies in this quite a lot easier than I expected. And you have to be very wise in the way that you spend your runes to be able to build your character in such a way that they can take on those challenging and difficult enemies. The wrinkle too, and this is a wrinkle that you're familiar with because of Hollow Knight, because it borrowed this mechanic from Souls-like games. If you die in the process of collecting these runes together, if you die, you drop all the runes and you have to Mm. go back and get the runes. And if you die in the process of going to collect the runes that you dropped, then they disappear forever. That is Hollow Knight. You've played that in Hollow Knight. Yeah, and that that made it very tense. Which is part mm. of the gameplay, to be fair, but that's one of the bits. I'd actually forgotten about that that part of the game. I've probably deliberately omitted it from my memory. Yeah, I think that it happens less in Hollow Knight than it happens in um, most Souls-like games, probably. And it is something that you have to just accept. We were talking yeah. uh, uh, before about uh, before the podcast, we were talking about rejection and how that's something you just have to accept and uh, sort of get on with. And I think this is the Souls-like version of rejection dropping your runes and then dying on the way to get them it's just something you have to accept as part of the difficulties of life mm. playing playing a game like this and in, in hollow Knight, i think i only had that happen twice that I, I couldn't actually get back to where those those things had been dropped it's a bit like when i played breath of the world again a touch point where you already mentioned the whole element of of weapons breaking and the fact that the game forces you to not become attached to one weapon because of that yeah. exact reason i found that quite difficult at first because it's like well I, I want to use this a lot therefore i don't want it to break and then actually the game encourages slash forces you to to get over that because it gives you so yeah. many weapons every opportunity so you know i, I think and that's fine as a gameplay thing what you're talking about mm. Yeah, I, I don't mind it at all. I, I really don't mind it. I think that you can take... It encourages you to experiment with the amount of risk you're willing to take. And I'm yeah. actually... Uh, generally, I'm quite risk-averse with games. And so I, I actually... And that feeds into the games that I choose. I generally have avoided Souls-like games. I've played Bloodborne, and I played it to a point where I accidentally attacked somebody that, that then attacked me back. It was a genuine accident. And when I died, because he killed me in one hit when i died he was still angry at me so every time i came back to life and and went past where he was uh, he attacked me and killed me so i was get i, I got a bit uh, but i did try with bloodborne and that was the first and only souls like game that i've played at least to my knowledge uh certainly from software games it's the first and only that i've played all of this is to say i was not set up to be predisposed towards enjoying this because i i am averse to anything risky anything that requires me to deal with tension and stress i avoid i'm terribly bad at all survival horror games resident evil is off my plate because i can't play them without my heart trying to burst out of its chest and we had that when we played resident evil uh, way back when <sighs> yeah exactly so um th- this is a similar thing like it causes you or it can if you let it cause you stress and difficulty in those terms an- anxiety and worry and all of that it in the game because you, you're constantly thinking oh should i should i risk it should i go to this place that i haven't been yet with my runes or should i go back and spend all of my runes so that i can go ahead without but equally when you're when you're leveling up it's it's not all that cheap like it's not it's not like 10 runes it's it's a couple of thousand at, by the time you're level 15 so uh, and to to put that into context if you kill a soldier like a low level soldier you get something like 70 or 80 runes 
So right. you have to kill just just small soldiers. You have to kill quite a few to be able to level up one time. And leveling up one time allows you to add one point to one of your eight stats. So it's quite a big deal, quite a big mm. choice to have to make, and quite a big cost relative to what the game allows. And and as the game progresses, you're going to have to pay, say, I'm paying 2,000 for, for my levels at the moment. But, you know, in 20 levels, I'll probably be paying eight or 10,000. Yeah. And at that point, when I'm having to carry around eight or 10,000 runes at the risk of losing them all at the, ne- at the very next hit um i'm i'm not sure how i'll cope with it but we'll find out i suppose it's enjoyable enough that that i want to so all of this all of this was to say go on can we again just loop back to the basics of the game what's your character is it supposed to be someone you know big and brawly that's that's ripe and ready for action or is it is it a a rags to riches story it's a it's a mixture of both i think so um in the world of the game the character is something called a tarnished and a tarnished from what i've gathered and it is a little bit opaque the the law at the moment and i think that is purposefully so because you're sort of supposed to unravel it as you go but you are tarnished and a tarnished is someone that has been banished from the world of the lands between for what reason i don't know but that is your character so you are in rags at the same time you get a choice of, of classes at the start so you can choose to play as a warrior or a, a cleric or whatever They're like there are t- eight, eight or ten i think classes and some of them are big and burly and some of them are less so some of them are a bit more bit more thinky i think that's the technical term all of it boils down to how many stats you how many points you have in all of these different stats and whether you're good at magic or you're good at bashing people with the hammers and you can you can change your character as you go as you level up you can change them to be what you want them to be so you you get a choice i actually i didn't know this at the time because i i don't have that much experience with souls like games but I actually chose what apparently is the hardest class accident, which is the wretch. And I should have known it um, because the wretch, instead of having clothes and weapons, has a, a wooden stick, a wooden club, and is in his pants. It's a lot about you that you chose that. Well, I chose him because all of his stats were at, were at 10 points. Whereas some, uh, like the other, the other classes, they had like clear strengths and clear weaknesses. Whereas oh, this one was mean. like a blank slate that I could build. But I didn't realise that that was going to make it slightly more difficult, and it was going to go into his into the world with no armor, just pants, and I'd have to find my armor and stuff. And I'm sort of straightening that out now. But basically, I think the classes are a bit of a shortcut for those first few hours, and maybe I've had to play a few more hours to get my wretch into a. A, a survivable state than say if i'd chosen a warrior so quite early grinding yeah but actually i think it was quite valuable to me because i'm new to the genre or relatively mm. new to the genre it was quite valuable to me because it, it gave me a sense of what danger actually is in the game uh, because i was scared of everything when i started even even tiny soldiers and now i'm quite brazen and bash them in the head and stuff without thinking. i think as well grinding is such a natural part of this sort of game or lots of different games rpgs etc we, we talked only last week about dc superhero girls and my daughter's been obviously playing again a bit more this week and i've been talking to her about the idea of grinding to get power stars in order to level up mm. her characters in order to go through later missions because that's yeah. just part of the game that's that's what the loop is yeah and i think different games do grinding different ways and that actually the grinding in this game is pretty satisfying i think the reason for that is that you've because I went into it with quite a lot of theory of even small time beasties, I was set up to feel like any kind of bravery or progress was was good. So when I 
when I started, there was this forest quite close to the where you enter the enter the world. Um, there's this tiny like this little woods. There's several soldiers all walking around a path in there, and I was going round the edge of them, like sneaking round the edge and avoiding them as best as possible, and killing as little as possible as well which has its own problems because I'm not getting money for it. This morning when I was playing it, I was just wandering up the path, <laughs> brazen as anything, sword in hand, just walking up to soldiers right in front of their faces going, all right, mate, and then stabbing them in the guts. <laughs> and it's like the the progress of, of those first few hours, going from being scared of everything to being able to openly, brazenly face off against soldiers if nothing else it feels meaningful it feels genuine it feels like genuine progress mental progress rather than actual technical leveling up or whatever but i've done a bit of that as well so why why is it gone down so well i think it might be it should be obvious that it's quite a surprise that i'm where that i'm playing this game at all like it just seems to me a bit of a surprise that i one ended up going for it and two have been enjoying it so much but it's also the fact that there are that the game is surprising that means that I'm enjoying it. I do think mean, partly do, because do you mean like things that you find or things that you're doing or a bit of both? All of that, things that I'm doing and things that I find there there are surprises inherent in the game, built into the game, designed to be surprises that have meant that I've had genuine whoa wow moments and genuine like oh my god moments that you don't often get with games mm-hmm. like you, you just they just don't happen like genuine ones that some of them are like huh that was good but this one has had me that this one's had me go oh my god oh my god and like panic like genuine panic and it's, it's also had me go whoa that's amazing or you know ge- and like real genuine responses of awe in various different ways so that's nice and also the fact that i'm surprised to be enjoying it i think is is going some way to me enjoying it um, in terms of the surprises that i've come af- come across do you remember so again the breath of the wild thing because that's a touchstone for you yep do you remember on the plateau there was a, a forest and you go into the forest and there's some butterflies in a little divot in the ground and in the ground and there's a big rock in the middle of the uh divot with a talus if you go up to the uh rock the rock comes alive and yeah that well, that, that, is that, like a, not only that rock, but a few other rocks fly towards it and then they create this stone mm. giant thing that then starts lumbering towards you and flinging its own rocks at you to try and kill you. And it, that was a brilliant moment when that happened because yes. what was expecting that? So there you go. That That is your touchstone for what sort of what sort of surprises I've had in even just the first 10 hours of, um, of Elden Ring. It is that kind of surprise. And also with that, um, the, the music that kicks in when you're fighting Talus is really mm. uh, uh, engaging and really gets you going. Yeah, so uh, there, there's elements of that as well. I should have said Brilliant. up front, the, uh, I'm not really going to touch on the audio and the visuals, although they are, um, as you can imagine, they are pretty amazing. I think the, the soundscape in particular is is very good there are places where i've come across weird wailing people people crying in pain and i can't i can't quite find why this is happening or where it's happening where it's coming from but it happens sort of at certain times and in specific places which is very eerie and very very fear inducing and there, there are other things like that so whistling of the wind and and that kicks in in certain places it, it, the, the soundscape is just very well realized very well thought out and and eerie in places and scary genuinely scary in other places or vis- visually there's there's some very striking visuals the the whole world is built around this 
enormous golden tree that in fact i took a, a picture of it let me see if i can find my picture of it for you i mean it's a bit dull uh this picture but when i'm playing it on the tv it doesn't look like that let me let me just okay, share this with you that's the erd tree and it towers above if you see if you look down on the bottom right of the erd tree there that's a a very very large tower that you can okay. see in the and then on the left hand side that's a uh, like a walkway to a castle so you can see how just how big that earth mm -hmm. tree is that's also a few kilometers in the distance from where i'm actually stood taking that photograph right so very big so it's massive and it, it shines down and it, it it sheds light on the whole world um so it's very spectacular in the in the straightest sense of that of that term so yeah visually audio wise it's, it's amazing I, I can't remember why i took that diversion but i'm going to come back to surprises so it's taken me by surprise i am now going to spoil some very early moments in the game but i would advise if you haven't played it and you are going to play it that you skip either the rest of this podcast and come back to it or just don't worry about the spoilers though they're, they're not it's just the first 10 hours of the game now that we've got the spoiler warning out of the way, uh, I've just detailed for you, uh, like a touchstone for you, a touch point for you in the form of Breath of the Wild's first stone talus that you might have come across. For Hannah, that was actually a genuine shock moment in Breath of the Wild. And I remember her, if you ask Hannah about her experience of Breath of the Wild, that would be one of the things that she tells you about because it's it was just like, whoa, it's such a big surprise. Yeah. Uh, and there is I, I, one a thing that has happened to me this morning when I was playing Elden Ring, and one of the reasons that I decided that I was going to talk about it was similar to that, I, to the point where I think it is actually a homage to to Breath of the Wild. I was I was galloping along on my uh, horse and entered this area that was littered with uh, what looked like ruins, which isn't abnormal in the game. There's lots of ruins all over the place. And I was riding along, and there was this big mound in the middle of these ruins that looked similar to the other ruins. And as I got very, very close to it, almost on top of it, it lit up and came alive and, and, and stood up, and it was this towering uh like golem type creature that i and i absolutely shot myself and rode, <laughs> rode for the hills it was it was huge and uh fearsome and uh quite quite intimidating and i think similar enough to the breath of the wild ta stone talus experience that that it could well have been a homage i like the way they've, so that, was, that character they've blended the landscape in with an enemy that's really clever yeah now i've got a picture of that as well for you uh, so that you can see again the scale of things is uh is just on another level but this is from a distance this but if you see on the right of of my character there's like these weird uh ruiny things and then mm -hmm. if you look on his back shoulder he's yeah. got similar stuff so he's very well blended in and then he stood up and again he's a he's a few hundred meters away and he was absolutely towering above me and i wasn't expecting it at all so that was one of the things that happened to me this morning that was like a big surprise the other thing involved a, a lake so there's a lake in the opening area the opening area is called limgrave uh if you wanted to know that but in the opening area there's this lake it's a very shallow lake you can walk across it and there are uh, beasties and baddies in the in the lake and on the lake a giant crab on one end of it that i'm a bit scared of going towards it's got big pincers um, yeah that's scary. i haven't taken him on yet but in the lake there's a campfire and there's a ruins um and on the map if you look on the map the the ruins has got a name and the name of the ruins is dragon burn uh, dragon burnt ruins and then the campfire isn't on the map the campfire and the lake have both got the same sort of enemies they're these lumbering zombie like baddies that are quite easy to take take on and i thought well the dragon burnt ruins they sound a little bit ominous like maybe they've been burnt by a dragon so i won't go there i will go 
to take on this campfire or kill everybody around the campfire to get some money. I wish I'd been able to record what happened because this happened. Now I'm going to send you the video that I said that I was going to show you. Okay. The guy that reacts here, this is pretty much the same reaction that I had, but I might have shrieked a little bit louder. This is the beginning of the game. I've just watched that clip that Ashley sent me. It's 53 seconds. Yeah, this dragon sweeps in. It's it, enormous, like, Hungarian horn tail from Harry Potter, the way it's, it mm. lumbers across and on its, leaning on its wings. It, absolutely stunning. The, the graphics, having seen the, the game in action as well, it looks amazing. How yeah, fluid it, it is. Yeah, it really is very, very nice uh, to to watch. And also, just to loop back to what we were just talking about a few minutes ago, the music, the way that kicked in, is orchestral music with a choir in as that dragon sweet tune was really well done. Mm. Yeah, now, the whole thing comes together to be to be intensely cinematic in that moment. The, the, whole, the whole setup for that little... It's a trick, basically. They have duped you into going to this campfire, and, and then there's this set piece where a dragon swoops in from the horizon. And it, it's the... It's the fact that they've labelled these ruins. The ruins are on your right-hand side as you're heading towards the campfire. The campfire is straight ahead. And as you get very close, almost on top of these enemies, just readying yourself to fight these enemies, very far in the horizon, right on the horizon, you see this, this spot. And it gets very big very quickly as it speeds towards you. And then you realise far too late that it is this enormous dragon. And the dragon is landing on top of you just as you make the realisation that it's about to attack you. And and my instinct, the same as that guy's instinct, was to go, oh my god, 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 and run. I, I just turned tail and then I ran. And then I thought, oh my god, I'm going to have to talk with, about this with Chris. I'm going to have to try and record it. So I stopped to try and get a recording of it and the dragon bore down on me and lit me up it was just one of the best experiences i've had with a game for a long long time it, it was it took me completely by surprise and it's the beginning of the game like yeah. this is the first this is the learning moment these are the learning these are the baby step places and there is this giant dragon just there ready to take you on and i learned a lot from that similarly though when you come out into this open world, when you uh, come out of this door into this area, the first enemy that you see is this guy, this big hulking guy on a big horse, like a, a really thick looking horse. And my first instinct was, bloody hell, I, I, that's a big guy. He's big. I'll go around him. Then, like a few hours later, I was like, well, I've leveled up a couple of levels and I'm. Um, he was the first person I saw. I'll go and try and take him on. So I went back to him. First guy that I'd seen in the game. First enemy that I'd seen in the game properly. I thought, it'll be fine. It'll be easy. I'll, I'll, a lot easier than I thought. So I engaged him in combat and he killed me with within a second. Like I was just dead. Uh, and he also, I don't know if this means something, but he got most of the enemies, they have a, a health bar over, his, over the head. This guy got a full-on boss health bar at the bottom of the screen, which suggests that he's a little bit more than the regular enemies. And that is the first person you come across in, in the game. So I kind of feel like there will be a number of people that came out of this doorway, saw this guy and went, hey, I'm going to attack. Oh, I'm dead. We've talked a lot at different points during this podcast about health testing games. That there is making you assume that that person is someone you can easily defeat because of that reason. You approach that person, then this 
enormous health bar appears. So you then know you can then pass that and think, oh, okay, it's, it's a boss. The boss character kills you really quickly. So you've then understood what the consequences are for trying to attack that person. Therefore, you know, to give them a wide berth next time once you've respawned in. You know, loads of games would have gone through all that as help text for you to have just sat scrolling through and clicking through, etc. That lets you learn it for yourself, which is really smart. Mm, I think so too. I think the game upends traditional ideas of how a game should progress. So we're very used to the idea that things will progressively get harder and harder and the biggest challenge will be the last challenge in a game. I think with Elden Ring and probably from software's Souls-like games in general, the smallest challenges are interspersed with some of the biggest and it's not it's in no way is it linear you're not you can't rely on just because that creature is here now in front of you in the early part of the game you will be able to take him on it might be that he will totally destroy you and i think that's quite a refreshing thing that variety of gameplay is good to have those small challenges interspersed with the big ones well, rather than just small, 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 big. And that's really good as well. And to not know as well. Mm. It, it just feels very... Uh, it keeps me on my toes in a way that I don't think a game has for a long while. It's just nice to have something that's not afraid to book the norms, you know? And this does it all over the place. So, oh, also, these horse guys are all over the place. I came across one on a bridge and I was stalking him across the bridge. Like I was just hunched down trying to get across this bridge without him seeing me. And I just decided to check behind me. I spun the camera around and immediately the guy attacked me from behind and uh, pushed me off the bridge. So, um, yeah, uh, the game, the game's not very, uh, not very forgiving in some ways at the same time i mean that's a good place to say i think that it is forbidding and i think that it is nerve inducing and it's difficult like you'd expect it to be but it's also forgiving it is forgiving in that i haven't actually found anything in the game yet that i can't run away from when you die where do you respawn that's a good question so you respawn at these um where you level up they're called sites of grace and you will respawn at the last site of grace that you stopped at, or you will respawn at a statue that you came that is close to where you died. You can choose between it oftentimes. Are these things relatively common, or if you die, does it yes, take they quite... are. Okay, that's good as well. So that was one of the things that pe- that some people found forbidding in Souls-like games that has, that has been changed up in Elden Ring, apparently. If you died at the hands of a boss, and that was part and parcel of the experience in Demon's Souls, Dark Souls, Sekiro, all of those games, if you died at the hands of a boss, you would have to go back to the last checkpoint and the checkpoint could often be like to five to ten minutes away from where you die so you'd have to traverse that level here it's been sort of seconds it may be a minute to get back to where i was each well, time again we've talked about hollow knight during this episode already i remember in hollow knight in green path there was a boss that i found really really tricky and actually getting to the boss required a lot of precision jumping through a mm. load of thorns i don't know if you remember that area of the game yeah i do remember that bit yeah and having to go through that good five minutes of really tricky jumping and trying not to lose any health because i needed to conserve it for the boss that in mm. itself was very very frustrating but then you then have the elation when you actually defeat the boss it then really pays off but you know yeah 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 there, there's that here too though uh, i think and and it does count for something because uh, you know like going against something dying so many times and then eventually getting to the point where you've mastered it or overcome it at the very least that is satisfying in so many ways this version of a souls like elden ring it's an, it's the first open world version of the genre that that from software have made and actually i think that is one of the things that goes a long way to 
making it more accessible than the previous games because they were very tightly you you were often going down tight paths and and you didn't have and they were quite linear in so much as the story went from a to b you followed it through from start to finish this one you might end up going you might go down one path and find that it's too forbidding too much for you you might be able to find a different route because of, of the open world nature go the long way around but it might be actually be easier and that has, for me, that at least has meant that I don't feel so... You know, like that guy that I described in Bloodborne, that every time I went close to him, he killed me. Mm-hmm. I haven't yet found anything like that where I can't then overcome it by taking a different tack, taking a different route. Just to go back slightly, the the last thing that I was going to say out of my giant paragraph, all those challenges, all those big guys on horses and so so on, even just in these first 10 hours on this on this plateau-like area i found lots of different ones so i've mentioned the giant crab there are these huge towering disemboweled trolls as well that have their have their ribcage exposed and all of their bowels are disappeared and they come uh, lumbering at you and swing grim. their giant swords at you yeah exactly it, the, the world is largely inhabited by grim creatures these these weird tentacular things as well that sludge along uh on the beach that i didn't i was too scared to get close to but might have a a go next time i'm on it every these weird walking egg sack things that spurt out poisonous gas when you go close to them then there's also some very timid creatures like there are these giant galapagos style tortoises that you can bash and steal their necks to eat So, yeah, there's, there's the just... gentle creatures you can steal from them and have some nutrition. Give me them. Exactly. There, there's lots of variety and there's lots of uh, different faces for the challenges that you can take on. The, the whole premise is that you can, these big baddies that, or even just the medium sized baddies, they all have attack patterns that you can learn and that you can respond to. So, every single one of them has got a different way to try and attack you. Therefore, is also a you have to take a different approach to try and overcome one thing that i haven't uh, necessarily covered partly because i'm only 10 hours or so in and haven't really tackled much of it but the narrative through line i've told you what the story is there's these godlike people that have got these shards of this ring that makes them super powerful and that is your narrative through line it's been introduced the concept's been introduced i've been told generally the direction to head in similar again touchstone wise breath of the wild there's there's the castle there's ganon you can go there now or if, or if you like, or you can go somewhere else. It's up to you. That's kind of the approach it takes. And it says, there's a castle on a cliff. That's where you need to go for the next story beat. If you want right. to go there, then go there. If not, then do what you like. It does have this very clear narrative through line that I can see very obviously now, but it can be ignored. And I really like that. I think that that's a trend in games that I appreciate. Mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see just how the narrative is delivered and how well how well they do with that but by and large the game is is 90 percent non-narrative and and that's fine or at least in my experience it has been i like the fact that you can be stealthy so again being scared being a scaredy cat one of the things that was a barrier for me with these types of games was the fact that i wasn't allowed to embrace my true scaredy cat nature and run around like run the long way around to avoid things i can do that now so that's okay but again g- gameplay you're, you're playing like that other people won't and that's fine that's another thing that Yep, some will be brazen. Yeah. And lastly, uh, the the last point, and it's a very short one, having having gushed quite a lot about various different things. It's it's so exploratory. It's all about finding things. All about finding things. And they can be big stuff, and they can be little stuff, and it might be a chest, or it might be a monster. But just the the whole point of it is being able to explore. And that, if a game says that to me, then it, I'm kind of a sucker for that. You got my daughter Immortals for Christmas, for example, mm. and that's one thing that Immortals does really well in that whole 
exploring every corner, every nook and cranny of the map, you might find something big, you might find something small, but you constantly get, get that reward for doing stuff, finding stuff, and that's something that we've been enjoying while playing it. Yeah, I think that this game, I, again, I am talking as someone that spent 10 hours playing it, So, but I found so many different things that have intrigued me and that have made me want to go. And it's also got that thing where if you can see it, you can get to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's on the horizon, you can actually go there. I am enjoying that, and I'm getting a lot of that already. The the world is a lot bigger than I know it to be, um, by a, by a massive factor from what I understand. So I'm enjoying the prospect uh, as well of of finding all the nooks and crannies in the rest of the world. Um, there was a thing that I was going to say. Yeah, I'm a, I am a sucker for that. I am a sucker for being given a space and being able to explore it. And I think that's one of the reasons that this has got its hooks into me in the way that it has. I'm kind of willing to overlook the... Oh, no, that's not even true. I was going to say I'm, gonna, I'm somewhat willing to overlook the difficulty because I'm allowed to explore this world. Mm-hmm. But actually, I'm quite enjoying. I'm quite enjoying the challenge. <laughs> And I'm enjoying meeting the challenge and failing and then going back a few a few levels later and trying again and failing again. I'm quite enjoying that loop. So that's the, the too long didn't read for this episode is it's quite difficult, but actually stick with it. It's really worth it. I think so. Yeah. Uh, and technical issues be damned. I don't think Absolutely. they they simply aren't. They're not enough to bring it down in the way that people are, are sort of saying it. They are. That's my read on it anyway. Can I just clarify as well? Obviously, you've said you've been at PC. Is it available on anything else? Yeah, it's available PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S. Uh, I don't know if it's on the Xbox One. It's all the Probably usuals. Because it's on the PS4. Yeah, the usuals. Cool. You won't be buying it. I know that much. Well, I, I, it's it's not so much that I won't, well, I won't be buying it, but I don't have any means of playing it. No, it, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if some kind of, I mean, I, I think, again, if you bring The Witcher three to uh the switch then you can probably do quite a lot of things that that you wouldn't expect and this might be one of them it could well could well see some kind of version on the switch or maybe the the switch 2 or whatever they call it in the in the future but i still don't think you'd buy it because well but the thing is i didn't think i'd buy it <laughs> i certainly didn't think i'd enjoy it or maybe it's one of those games where i need to actually play it around your gaff and then see what i make of it yeah i think you'd have to stay over for a right. night and play okay. it play it for an extended period over two days deal that's what i think you should do but i, I said, also think your wife might have an issue we could do an that. all-nighter like we used to well not we i mean the role we like used to when you were sort of 13 14 go to a friend's house and play games till like four in the morning or something i don't think i'd be able to do that anymore no i don't think i would if i stay up past about 11 i feel feel really sleepy the following day i, ha- I have to have something to keep me going and even then i sometimes fall asleep so i'm an old man <laughs> You know, I have, to have something to focus on. The Civilization Six or Humankind, that kind of game, is often the one that grabs me till the wee hours. But um, even then, I'm sometimes like at the keyboard, like Ugh, dropping off. Like this. So. Excellent. Well, thank you for that, Ashley. I think that's uh, really interesting hearing talking about it, and uh, hopefully, lots of people will agree with that. It sounds like, like they say, it's very well, zeitgeisty. So, uh, yeah. I don't think they need to agree with any of it, or all of it, or. Or whatever. No, I just what, think that it what I mean is might how, be. how people have been reacting to it. I'm sure there's going to be lots of people listening who agree with you. That's what I mean. I've read the phrase it very well. There, there, there might be. Whether they do or, or don't, I don't really mind. What I what I really am uh, I'm getting at with this episode, wanting to talk about it, was one, I just wanted to talk about something that has really taken hold of me uh, right now. 
and two i think that the thing that people are saying about it being a game for people that don't think it's for them might actually be true in fact it's certainly true in my experience this is not my bread and butter this is this shouldn't be a game that i'm so excited to be playing and yet it is i think there's something to that and i think that people listening to this if they're going no it's not my sort of thing well i'm here to say that it might be it might be might actually be that sounds like a great place to finish off i think there yeah okay thank you very much Thank you very much for listening. If you've enjoyed us, please remember to check out all our other episodes. This is 98. We've got a previous 97, one that said a bit more with some of the Christmas specials. Episode 100 looming on the horizon as well. Uh, Come and say hello to us on all the social medias. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And remember to do the liking, sharing, subscribing, rating, and reviewing if you could. See you later. Bye. Bye.